0: For this morning's scripture reading, I will be reading from the New King James Version. The uh, scripture is Psalm 119, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 119, I'm sorry, 119, verses 1 through 5. Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were direct! Good morning. It is good to see you here this morning, and hope it is that you, if you're visiting with us, that uh, you'll make it a point to come back and be with us every opportunity that you have. And we're glad that you're here. Got a couple of requests for our church family here before we get started. First thing is, is that uh, I need y'all to pray. Pray for Bible studies that we have going on. There's one that uh, is in particular, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but uh, that's reaching a critical juncture. Brothers and sisters, we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of God to transform people's lives and to work in people's lives. And hope it is that you'll pray for all the Bible studies that we've got ongoing and that uh, that uh, others and uh, members of the congregation are in because we want God's intercession in those uh, those examples and those places so that it may be that people can understand and clearly see the truth and respond to it. It's the first request. The second request is... Um, we're about to be a part of a divine, or kind of a, sorry, divine grand experiment. You see, in uh, part of the work, plan of work that the elders had purposed for the beginning of the year was something called the New Movers Program. And that is that we've received recently 155 addresses of people that have moved into our immediate area. And part of this and understanding it is that these people have changed their post office address recently, and what they're going to receive in the mail before any. Just about any other mail comes. You know how Lowe's, whenever you move to a new address, immediately seems to know and they send you like the 10% off coupon, even though you end up spending way more than it's worth. Uh, But you understand that they send you those things based upon people moving. There's a program that we have enrolled in that's called the New Movers Program that sends those people an invitation to come to the Grave Road Church of Christ. And it's one of the first things that they receive, one of the first pieces of mail that they receive. But in receiving those addresses, what we're also going to start doing is what we call a welcome wagon. And what I need from you and what we're asking from you is if it's at all possible that you can come Wednesday evening at 545. We will provide dinner, make sure that you have something to eat. But in providing and thinking about the welcome wagon, again, this is a fluid project, there's nothing set in stone, but what we're going to try and do is make and create and put together little baskets of cookies, home-baked cookies, so that these people can have somebody delivering them to their front doorstep and saying how much we love and appreciate and are glad that they moved to our area. And we would love for them to come and worship with us. You know, statistics tell us people are more likely to change and to look for a new church when they move than just about at any other time in their life. And we've been handed this golden opportunity, and I believe it's what God would want us to do in using it uh, to His glory. And so if you wouldn't mind to come and make it a point to come at 545, please let me know that you're coming so we can make sure that we have enough food. But uh, uh, we're going to do that and come and, uh, and just spend a little bit of time talking about this program called The Welcome Wagon and hope it is that you'll make it a point to, uh, to to be here. We're talking this morning about our Bible classes. Somebody told me this morning they don't think that they've ever heard a lesson on getting the most out of a Bible class, which is where we, uh, where we are this morning. Sometimes it is we do things just because it's what we've always done. And we behave in certain ways because that's the way we've always done it. And we've never really considered or refocused ourselves with regard to the purpose of why we do certain things. Bible classes may be one of those things. What I thought about with regard to this was that a lot of times we have people that obey the gospel, that come to a knowledge of the truth, And we never explain why it is that we do those things. And we never explain why it is that these things are important. And so what I'm doing over the next, uh, uh, I'm not going to do it over a series of weeks, but rather a series of months, is just simply what we might call, what would I say to a new Christian about why we do certain things? Among these topics, we may talk about baptism, we may talk about a cappella music, about uh, the worship of the New Testament church, about why we were taking the Lord's Supper every week and why that's important to us as Christians. But this morning especially, the question becomes is if you were talking to a brand new Christian, why would you tell them that it's important for them to be in Bible classes? Why would you say that Bible class is valuable to you? It is worth us considering as we begin a brand new Bible class quarter to understand that they do hold some value in our lives. In a very practical way, in a very down-to-earth reason why it is that we would come to Bible class, consider these reasons just for a moment. I'll leave all of these up here, not reveal them one at a time so you'll have time to write them. We might come to Bible class and cite the reason why we do it is because it's where our Lord would be. It's where our Lord would be. If there was a set time where the people of God would come together and study, that's where Jesus would be. You remember that there when Jesus was 12 years old in Luke chapter 2, his family went every year to the feast, one of the three pilgrim feasts that those Jewish males were commanded to go into. And as Jesus stayed there in the temple, well, Mary and Joseph had no idea where he was, did they? But as they looked for him, they looked for three days. And it was that when they finally found him, he was sitting in the temple. He wasn't, as a young person might be, going down and terrorizing the local merchants. He wasn't going and trying to catch glimpses of the races at the Hippodrome. He wasn't doing anything else other than sitting at the feet of those Jews and asking questions so much so that they were amazed at his understanding. That tells me our Lord valued the opportunities to study God's Word. Why do we attend Bible class on a very down-to-earth particular reason? is because, number two, it's where our family is. It's where our church family is. The Bible tells us that when we have opportunity, we need to stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 about how we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the custom, the manner, the the walk of some. They make it their point to miss habitually the services of the church, the opportunity for us to gather together, the coming together of the saints of God. Hebrews says, listen, we don't need to do that because you and I have responsibilities to stir up one another to love and good works. Our Bible classes do that, or at least they should. Why do we need to attend Bible classes? Number three, it's because our shepherds want us to be there. Steve made it this morning, a a mention in his opening, to say that we want you to rethink how it is that you think about Bible classes, about how it is that our elders want us to prioritize and put those, those things into practice. And we could cite Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, obey those who have the rule over you. That would be the elders, that would be the shepherds. And when they say something, It not ought to be something that we consider, oh, that's just optional. We need to listen to them and understand that they're watching out for our souls. They could command us every single, you need to be right here. This is exactly where you need to be. But I love the fact that it's almost more of a Philemon approach. You remember Paul beseeching a Philemon in that great book to to receive back his, his servant Onesimus. Paul said, I could be very bold in Christ to command you. You need to take back this slave that ran away. Believe you need to do what's right. But instead he says, listen, for love's sake, I'm going to appeal to you. Church, when we miss Bible classes, we do so to the harm of our own soul. And that's the truth of it that our elders want us to be where we can be fed, where we can feed on the Word of God, and where we can be built up in the most holy faith. That's their charge, that's their responsibility, and that's what they want of each one of us. Number four, it's simply where we need to be. Hebrews thirteen, or excuse me, 2, 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is an opportunity, twice weekly, that we have as the Grayborough Church of Christ to gather together, to study together as a group, and to have an opportunity to fulfill that commandment, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and uh, Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to make a difference in our worship. You see, the more we appreciate God and what He's done, we'll talk about this more in just a moment the more we can focus on what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ, the more it is that when we sing the song, ring out the message, the more I want to sing that song. The more when we sing the song like Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, O God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. We gain that kind of thirst for God through studying his word, through reading what he's revealed to us it's going to make a difference in the way we worship if it is that we're truly engaged and plugged into our Bible classes. Things I would say to a new Christian, it's going to enhance your worship when you have a focus already made on the Lord God of heaven and on what He's done for us. Folks, the truth is, if we're not studying the Word of God, we're not growing. If we're not in God's Word on a regular basis, we're not growing the way that we ought to. Therefore, we're not worshiping the way we ought to. Therefore, we are not obeying our elders and and being submissive to them. We are not encouraging, stirring up our family, and we are not following the example of the Lord if we don't choose to prioritize. Are you listening to me? Prioritize Bible classes. And again, these are things that we all need to hear. These are things that we all need to reflect on, especially as we begin this brand new Bible class For Listen, we had a great study this morning, I think it was great, in the, Bible, in the auditorium on the book of Genesis, a great overview of the book of Genesis. I want to understand more how about how the Bible is put together. I want to understand more about how it is that the, the plan of redemption unfolds and how the beginning of God getting the ball rolling through Jesus Christ occurs in the book of Genesis. We miss it to our own detriment if it is that we choose not to prioritize our Bible classes. Just some practical reasons about why. Here's the real question that we're dealing with this morning is how can I get the most out of my time spent in God's Word in a collective Bible class study like what it is that we've engaged in already this morning? How can I get the most? If I were a new Christian and talking to them, about the things, the techniques, the ways, the habits that we can establish to get the most out of our Bible classes. Because I, I tell you what, if, I, if, I, if it's my habit to come in and to sit down in a pew or sit down in a chair somewhere and just zone out for an hour, again, that's, that's not helpful. I've just wasted my time. I don't want to waste my time when I get up to come to Bible classes. How might I get the most out of our Bible classes? Here's a couple of things for us to consider this morning. Number one, I want you to understand that you need to commit to come every time. Commit to come every time. Psalm 119, verse 99, I have more understanding than all of my teachers because I'm focused on the Word of God, because I make His precepts, make His His Word my delight. Psalm 1, verse 2, we've taught it to our kids during kids' sing on Sunday evening. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. You can quote along with me. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I want to make my delight in the law of the Lord, don't you? I want to be a person that God blesses in his life. And understanding that Psalm 1 of verse 2 is talking about a person that's going to make his delight, to make his joy and spending time learning God's Word that's able to save his soul. James chapter 1. I want to be a person that is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's the difficulty, though. In prioritizing Bible class, you understand that there's a thousand other things that are clamoring for our attention. There's a thousand reasons that will always pop up about why we can't and why it's just not convenient today to do so. Here's the question with regard to priority. How did you approach Bible class this morning? I know sometimes we feel like we've got Saturday to ourselves and we've got Saturdays and that's our rest day and that's the time when we can just... Uh, mow the lawn or get out and pull weeds in the garden or 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 spend time with our families and spend time doing all those things And by the time you sit down on saturday night, man I just want to sit in veg for a couple of hours And you've turned on netflix you turn on hulu you turn on uh, Whatever it is that tv show that you like or maybe you sit down and surf that uh, begin surfing the internet You begin chatting or texting with a friend of yours that maybe you don't normally get to chat with And before you know it you wake up or you, you look up and it's 12 o'clock, it's 1 o'clock, it's 2 o'clock, and now it is, you're looking at your time and going, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. You lay down in the bed, the alarm goes off, 8 o'clock, 7.30, it's time to get ready for Bible class. It's okay, I'll miss just today. I'll miss just today, I'll hit that snooze button and get up 9 o'clock so that I can get ready for coming to worship. Reality, and then you resolve and say, "I'm going to do things differently next week. It's going to be different next week. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it a priority. I'm gonna do this." And then you find yourself falling into the same pattern over and over and over again. I think I mentioned before, but when I was growing up, I was uh, part of a congregation that had uh, little posters and had, you know, the cute little cat that was holding onto the bar and said, "Hang in there." But there was also one that was, <laughs> that was a cute little puppy that was laying there on the ground that was uh, dead asleep. And it says, if you're dog tired on Sunday morning, put God first on Saturday night. If you thought about preparing our minds and our hearts for worship, what I want us to also consider is that we need to prepare our minds and our hearts for Bible class. And say, listen, this is important. God wants me to be there. Our elders want me to be I need to be there. And as I prioritize and say, I'm going to make it a point to be in Bible class, I need to commit to doing that. Commit to come every time. I know sometimes work schedules get hectic. I know sometimes it is that you get called in when you weren't expecting to get called in. You know what we do here? If you go on to graverroad.com.org, our website, you can go look it up on Google. Google. Google won't mess it up like I will. But you can go on to our website and you can get recordings of the Bible class that's prior. If you need a copy of the handout, I'll be glad to email that to you. But what you can do is you can continue that study, even though you prioritized and that just didn't work out for whatever reason. Commit to come every time. Because the truth is that you're going to miss eternal truth that's going to be able to change your life and change your character if it is that you miss Bible class. Number two, I would say this, bring your own Bible. I'm going to step on some toes here, and I don't mean to. <laughs> your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The popular thing today is to pull out a cell phone and use your Bible app on your cell phone. It's easy. Now, the truth is that I'm seldom going to get my cell phone whenever I go somewhere. I may or may not forget my Bible. And I may get up to the building and say, I forgot my Bible. I may get up to the building and say, my Bible's in my other car. I may get up to the building and say, I just forgot this morning. And so the easy thing is, is just to take that cell phone and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust this cell phone and I'm just going to read the Bible on Blue Letter Bible or on uh, uh, eSword or whatever the app is that I've got. While that's good, and please don't misunderstand me, it's not sinful to use your Bible on the cell phone. There's something different about having an ink and paper copy of the Word of God in your hands. And let me say this, my cell phone can do a whole lot of different things. My cell phone and my Bible apps can do a whole lot of different things. I can highlight text, I can maybe mark words or things like that. But what my cell phone can also do is have a pop-up that just pops up that causes me to completely lose focus. Isn't that true? Text message, email coming in. My cell phone can also cause me to think, okay, I'm going to close this Bible app just for a moment, and I'm going to open up something else and multitask. The truth of the matter is, the majority of us are really poor multitaskers. But there's something about having a paper copy of the Word of God sitting before you. You know why? Because when you familiarize yourself with your own personal copy of God's Word, when you look into the the law of God and and you're you're thinking about a verse in a section, you know what I can do with this that I can't do with my cell phone? I can picture in my mind where that is on the page. I don't know exactly where it was. It was Matthew chapter 5 somewhere, and I can see it. It's over here on this column on this side. It's right there at the bottom. And I can open up and I could turn to it and say, yes, that's exactly where it is. The more you familiarize yourself with what the Word of God, this copy of the Word of God, and the more you make that your own, maybe you like to mark in your Bible. I do. I love to circle words that are important. I love to circle and connect lines and and dots and and color code things. You can get your own copies of of, of Bible marking pens or highlighters. I had a friend of mine at school that used crayons because he didn't like the bleed through on the other side. You can use colored crayons to note. Themes and words and, and and phrases that are important. I can't usually do that on a cell phone. And in fact, there's no frame of reference if all I'm doing is just scrolling up and down to say this is, well, I knew it was it was down here on the bottom of the page, but then it was now up on the top of the page whenever I finished scrolling. If you have and have your own copy of God's word, if you familiarize yourself with it, all oh, the beauty. From The beauty of it is it becomes special to you. It becomes yours. You make it your own. And you say, I need my Bible. God wants us to have that kind of relationship with his word. So that it is that it becomes sweeter as the years go by. And yes, you may have to rebind it because of how many times it's been opened. But it makes a difference every single time. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 19 and verse 10, I want to study it as a stranger. I'm a stranger throughout the earth. I'm a pilgrim. I want to make sure that I'm looking into his word. Third thing I would tell a person, new Christian, why it is that we need to come to Bible class, how we can get the most out of Bible class. Open up your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 3. This one is one that's every time. Note that all these passages or all these verses are from Exodus chapter 3. Look for the greatness of God. God is doing something in His Word. How can I determine and how can I note what it is that He's doing or what the Bible passage is revealing about Him? Bible- time. Use the pulpit. Unfamiliar to me. We're, We're in uncharted territory. All right. Exodus chapter three, typical Bible class you go into. And we see this is the great burning bush chapter of the Bible. You note that Moses begins to shepherd the flocks of Midian and he goes in and he begins to note that there's something that's going on, a burning bush, but it's not consumed. And he goes and turns aside to see the bush. And God cries out from the bush, Take off your shoes, Moses, for the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. And Moses takes off his shoes, and then God goes on to give him some commands. This chapter is about Moses encountering God for the first time. Here's a guy who really virtually, other than the promises God made hundreds of years before, has no knowledge of who he is. And note throughout this chapter how God is introduced to Moses. The greatness of God as seen through what it is that he does and how it is that he reveals himself to Moses. Look at chapter 3 and verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. God is a consuming fire. And yet there's something about the presence of God here on this occasion that. The bush is not consumed look at verse 5. He said don't draw near to this place Take off your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground Who is God? God is a holy God He's the God that whenever he touches something. It's like the Midas touch Midas touched something and turned to gold when God touches something when he puts his seal of approval on it It becomes holy that's why it was so important whenever he began to purify all of the things of the tabernacle for service, to consecrate them, to set them apart so that people could know this is the God who wants you to take very seriously his holiness. Moses, you take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. He is, verse 6, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is the faithful God. God made promises hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before to Abraham to say, through your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Abraham, I'm going to bring out your descendants out of the land of captivity after they've been there for 400 years. I'm going to do that. And you know what God is doing? He's making good on that promise right here in Exodus chapter 3, beginning the plan to lead his people out. He is, verse 7, the compassionate God. The Lord said, I have seen, surely seen, the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God is the God who cares for you and me individually. The people are crying out in Egypt and they're saying, who's going to deliver us? Shortly, Pharaoh would begin to command them to make make, uh, 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 bricks without straw. And God says, I've seen that. I've seen their sorrow and their hurt. Who is it that takes care of you and me? When we cry in secret, when we bear those burdens and those heartaches, God is the God who is compassionate towards us. He is, verse 8, the delivering God. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Deliver is an important word throughout, uh, throughout Exodus. He says, and to bring them up from the land, and it's not just a matter of getting them out. He says, I'm going to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. He is the God who delivers from evil. To good he's the God that takes people who are wretched and poor and miserable and blind and gives them an inheritance Incorruptible undefiled it does not fade away reserved in heaven for you first Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 God is the God who is the delivering God. He is the commissioning God verses 9 and 10 Therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel has come to me I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians have oppressed them Come now, therefore, and send you to Pharaoh that they may bring out my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God says, Moses, you're my guy. You're going to be the one to do this. I'm going to commission you. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah received a vision of God, and God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, here I am, send me, as we sing so often in church. Going on, moving along, God is the commissioning God. God is the timeless God, verses 13 to 15. Moses says, I don't know your name. Who are you? What if I go to these people and they say, Who sent you? He says, you tell them the I am sent you. The self-existent one, the one who time doesn't have a hold over, the one who is sovereign over time, you tell them I am sent you. The personal name of God you find that he is sovereign. Verses 16 to 22, you see that he's got a plan. That He says, I know Pharaoh's going to resist. I know Pharaoh's not going to go along with this. You hang in there, Moses, because by a strong hand, he's not just going to say, all right, you can go out of Egypt. He said, you get out. God says, I'm going to be the one that does that. God is all of those things, but consider the entire chapter and entire chapter four. Moses, like we, makes excuse again and again and again. God, I don't know your name. God, what if they don't believe me? God, I'm slow of speech. God, send somebody else. God is patient. He's patient with our doubts, with our insecurities, with our failures. Now, we've done all that to say this. In every single chapter of the Bible, you find something about, number one, either the nature of God or you find something out about, number two, the relationship that you and I have with Him. New Christians, older Christians, you study the Bible like that and you are never going to be hurting for application. You're never going to be hurting for faith because you're going to see something about the greatness of the God we serve and it's going to change your life. It's going to change your heart. Number four. Remember this, and I don't know how else to phrase this. You're playing the long game. The long game. Through your precepts, I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You know, there's, well, three fundamental decisions that we, well, three fundamental processes about the decisions that we make. We ask the question, Am I going to engage in this because this is fun? That's the first question. Is it fun? Therefore, I'm going to do it. Second question we ask sometimes is, is this urgent? Somebody says, this thing's on fire. It needs to be put out and needs to be put out urgently. Somebody decides that and they end up doing that. And I say, okay, I'm going to go do that. I make the decision based upon fun. I make a decision based upon urgency. Number three, I can make the decision based upon fear. I can make fear-based decisions. If I don't do this, well, what's going to be the consequence about that? And there's a fear that I'm going to have to sit with the decision based upon if I choose to do it or not. What we don't normally ask, number four, is this question about the decisions that we make. Is it most important? Is it important? Is it precious to me? Is this something that could be more precious as the years go by? Is this an investment? And so we like to make decisions based upon, is it fun? Is it urgent? Is it uh, fear-based? I don't want to do something that's uh, going to cause me a amount of pain down the road. But when we look at Bible class study, brothers and sisters, we have to understand that this is an important decision. Because what we're doing is we're studying for the long game, the long game. Don't think about your Bible class attendance being something where it is, it's like a debit card. We're putting enough cash to get on it so that we can get through the week. Rather, what you think about Bible class study should be something more akin to a savings account. The most important things in our lives, brothers and sisters, don't clamor for our attention until usually it's too late. Wisdom personified in Proverbs chapter 1 talks about how she stands out in the streets and cries out saying, how long will you love simplicities? Oh, you simple ones. How long will you walk in your foolishness? I'm crying out here. You need to stand and turn and listen to me and think about the things that I have to say because you need them. And wisdom says, listen, you ignore me and there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to try and seek and find wisdom and she's not going to be found when you're going to look and find that where she was standing before is empty. We're playing the long game. And I know, I know, the world does not value Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights like we ought to value Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights because it is important, it is precious. But when it is that the world says something like this, You have got to be at practice on Wednesday night. Otherwise, you're going to be sitting on the bench. You're going to be riding the bench this next week. When the world says something like this, we have scheduled this game or we've scheduled this event and you have to be present on this Wednesday night. You have to be present on this Sunday morning. Now is a question that's going to come to us to say, what decision-making process am I going to base this on? Is it fun? Is it urgent? Is it fear-based? Or to take a look and say, I'm going to choose what's most important. I used to tell my kids in the youth group whenever I was a youth minister, if you don't value your values, you can't expect anybody else to either. If you don't hold on to some things as precious to you and say, this is most important to me, I'm going to be with my Christian family on Wednesday night. Coach, I love you. I want to do the best job I can as a a player. I want to be a team player. But listen, there are things that are more important than sports. There are things that are more important than, than whatever meeting it is that we've got going on on Wednesday night. And coach, I want to do what honors and pleases my Heavenly Father. You know what? You may have to ride the bench that week. You may have to do without for something that week. But you know what you've done? You've done what Mary did in sitting at the feet of Jesus. You've chosen the better part. You've made a decision based upon what's precious and not what's fun or what's urgent or what's fear-based. You've made a decision based upon what's precious. Lastly, this this morning, remember you're playing a long game. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, including the life that now is and also the life that is to come. Number four, number five rather. Study and pray for transformation. Study and pray for transformation. I don't want to just study the Bible like a history book. I don't want to just study the Bible like it's ancient history and I'm going to major in ancient history. Rather, I recognize that the Bible tells me that I study so that I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that I may prove what it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. God, what I'm doing this morning in getting up and coming to Bible class, God, what I'm doing on this Wednesday evening, this evening whenever I uh, get out of of the house, even though I'm dog tired, I'm going to come and I'm going to invest myself in studying with people of like precious faith and studying to be more like Jesus. God, help me as I study to get the most out of this. Pray for transformation. Psalm 119, verse 18 is an excellent prayer. Maybe you've heard me lead it as we study a Bible together. God, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. God, I want to see something that I've never seen before. God, I want to appreciate something about your greatness and about who you are as, as sovereign. God, I want to appreciate something more about me and the greatness of salvation that you've extended to me. I want to be molded into your image, God. I want to understand what godliness more is I want to have more understanding of your holy character because I know that you've commanded me, be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 16. I want to know more about God having the holy character like my Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to know how more he dealt with difficult situations, difficult people in his life. Devote yourself to it. And if you can't pray anything else, pray what Jacob did thousands of years ago. Whenever it was, he wrestled with God until morning. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 26, he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God, I want to wrestle with your word. And I want to receive a blessing from it. Because God, I want to be more like Jesus. Note to teachers, just as we're closing. Teachers, please don't fail to prepare. If there was only one person in your Bible class, it might be a little discouraging, but that's one person that wants to have more of the character of Jesus. You may not have very many people in your Bible class, and that's okay. You know why? Because those are people that are concerned with growing grace and godliness. And teachers, we need to do our absolute best We need to devote ourselves to studying so that when our students come in, whether that be that they're two-year-olds or whether that be they're 82-year-olds, where they come in, we can say, I am so excited to share what I've found with you. I'm so excited to be able to tell you about the greatness of our God and about our responsibility to Him. You know what? I found routinely through school, I learned so much more from those teachers than I did from the ones that were just trying to wing it. The ones that were just trying to get by Fill an hour. I want teachers that are enthusiastic, enthusiastic about the subject matter. I want teachers that are excited about the students learning. I want teachers that live for those light bulb moments. You know what I'm talking about? When you're teaching a concept and teaching and teaching and teaching, and all of a sudden the student goes, "I get it. I understand." That's something that keeps me going as a teacher, but that's also something every single time that challenges me to try and do better. Our Lord was the master teacher. And to be able to strive to be like Him in the ways that we teach is a wonderful thing. Maybe it is this morning that you are not a Christian, but you've looked into God's Word and said, I want that. I want the Christian life. I want to be like Jesus. I want to have the salvation that He offers. You can have that this morning. And if we can encourage you and study with you about that, We would love to do that. Please grab one of us as we're we're exiting this morning and we we can sit down and open up God's word and study with you about what it takes to become a Christian. Maybe it is that as a Christian, you failed in some aspect of your Christian life. Brothers and sisters, we use this time as an invitation time to where you can share your struggles and sorrows and heartaches and the more our society gets disconnected from one another, the more it is that we feel like we don't have anybody to do that, that we have to bear all these burdens all alone. You don't. You don't. Galatians 6 verse 3 says each one must bear his own load, but there's also a verse in that same context that says bear one another's burdens. That's what we're here for. If we can help you bear burdens this morning, or maybe you're ready to obey the gospel, I want you to make it known as we stand and sing our invitation song.